Hello and welcome to A Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole, where I'll be digging through my vinyl collection of about 500 records and my tiny brain of about 500 remaining brain cells and taking a light-hearted, laid-back and positive fanboys look at my favourite songs and bits of songs that fall within a different set theme every episode. Choosing from any song part that gives me joy as a listener or a slight Norwegian wood as a musician. It won't be a countdown, but I will leave my favourite choice for last. This is just a bit of chilled, unnecessary fun that hopefully inspires someone to buy a record, listen to an old favourite album, support a musician, and check out all of this amazing shit that has formed the soundtrack of my life. As a lot of people like to share their opinions these days, please let me know if you think that I have missed anything in my record collection that I know and that I like by sending me an email at I won't ever check this email address at gofuckyourself.cock and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. But seriously, if you do have any suggestions, you can hit me at suggestions at arockandrollrabbithole.com. I'd love to hear from you and check out some new music, some old music, great YouTube interviews, anything rocking and entertaining, I love it all. And if you dig what I'm doing, feel free to tell a friend or two and subscribe to the podcast. You can also visit the website www.arockandrollrabbithole.com for Spotify playlists of each episode, past episodes and some other golden magic. Also, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook, A Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and here we go. Just quickly before we get into it, I want to thank everyone again who listened to episode one and two and shared the episode and everyone that rated the podcast on the Apple podcast app and subscribed on the app and also on Spotify. Apparently the ratings and reviews really help get the podcast out there. So I appreciate you doing that. Thank you. The podcast has been downloaded in 30 countries now and that's pretty unbelievable. Thanks to all the nice messages, emails, and Instagram love, especially from Hayden Meggett and James Steamhole Tuddy Tudball. They're two of the best drummers that I know, two of the best drummers that I know currently listening to the podcast, two of the best drummers that I know currently listening to the podcast that have beards. Yep, that's it. And another thank you to my brother from another mother, Dean Del Rey, for peddling the podcast on his podcast, The Grail. Check out The Grail and check out his other podcast, Let There Be Talk. Dean has recently interviewed four members of ACDC, Rob Halford, Paul Stanley, John Mayer, Whipper Layton, Nikki Six, and a heap other nuggets. Always a great listen, and thanks again, Dean. I love your rock and roll guts. This episode, I'll list my favourite rock and roll count-ins. Most of them start the song, but some are in the middle of the song, and most of them are super unnecessary in the studio, but they do add some excitement and vibe to the finished product. Most, to me, are as noticeable and memorable as a good guitar or drum intro. I will also add a few songs that I've found that have counting in them that aren't related to cueing the band. I will add these in because this list is totally useless and they are songs that I 100% love, so who cares? So here we go. The first one is the most chilled, laid-back counting that I can remember. I don't want- 
is of course waiting in vain by bob marley and the whalers great song one of my all-time favorites this next one is a mid-song counting a great one another huge song from the 70s but far more rocky than bob marley a page of a draft of the early lyrics for this song etched in blue ink on a notepad page sold for $197,000 at an auction in new york on december the 5th 2013 a slight throwback to last episode, female names in song titles. Many of this artist's songs mention girls by name. In this one, the heroine is Wendy. He explained that these ladies are composites of different people he knew. Bruce Springsteen, Born to Run. next one was originally recorded in 1982 but reworked in 1984 and actually released in 1985 with his newly reformed backing band. Following this artist's shock death, the song recharted on the Billboard Hot 100 at number 33 in 2016. The very 80s film clip does not have a count in, but it does have a young, dreadlocked George Ruthenberg in it. George Ruthenberg is better known as Pat Smear, the touring guitarist for Nirvana and member of Foo Fighters. Prince Raspberry Beret.
A heap of great Ramones songs have energetic count-ins by D.D. Ramone, and I couldn't decide on one, but luckily I found on YouTube someone had made a quick compilation. Thanks, YouTube. Check it out here. One, two, three, four. I want to be sedated. Ready? One, two, three, four. Okay, come on now. One, two, you three, four. Try to fix yourself up. Okay. One, two, three, four. 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 You're a lot now, baby. You better shut it up. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Here's a couple from one of my absolute favourite bands. There are so many bands that I love and adore, but these guys are probably on top. Their catalogue has a number of count-ins. Here's a few that are memorable to me. The Beatles frequently played this first one at the Cabin Club, where they often played between 1961 and 1963. In fact, it was because of the crowd reaction to their live shows that producer George Martin decided to have them simply record their live show in the studio for the first album. That's why he kept Paul's one, two, three, four, counting at the beginning, which was taken from the ninth take and edited onto the start of the first take. The title of this song was originally 17 until it was changed for the album. This is one of the 10 songs that the Beatles recorded in one day on February the 11th, 1963 for their debut album, Please Please Me. The Beatles performed this on their first two Ed Sullivan Show appearances, which took place a week apart in February 64. About 73 million people watched the first show which made the Beatles household names in the US. Here's Paul McCartney chatting about the song. John Lennon and I were getting together. We were kind of showing each other what we'd written and, and this was one I, I said to him, well, I got this idea and I started off with it and uh, we finished it together. So it was a very early Lennon McCartney song. Having a collaborator, one thing's great, if you get stuck with, th with something, you can just say, what do you think of this, you know, and you can kick it around together. My song started, um, she was just 17. She'd never been a beauty queen. And we kind of looked at each other, like, I said, I don't really like that line. So we changed it to, she's just 17, you know what I mean. Which makes more sense even though you probably don't know what I mean. So we changed it to that, and they, that uh, started our songwriting partnership. One, two, three, five! 
The next choice is a song George Harrison wrote. The music was inspired by the theme song for the popular 60s TV series Batman. There's been a lot of confusion over who played lead guitar on this track, but George Harrison said in a 1977 interview, there were a lot of tracks where I played bass. Paul played lead guitar on Taxman. The counting is actually fake and was edited in as an afterthought. The real counting by Paul can be heard underneath if you listen carefully. Taxman, The Beatles. song that John had started and uh, he kind of had the first verse and this often happened one of us would have a little bit of an idea and instead of sitting down and sweating it we just bring it to the other one and kind of finish it together because you could ping pong you know you get an idea and he get an idea and say, oh that's good you know and uh, so you say he had the first verse I read the news today oh boy and we sat in my music room in London and just started playing around with it, got a second verse, and then we got to the, what was going to lead into the middle, and we kind of looked at each other and kind of knew we were being a little bit kind of edgy, and we sort of said, I'd love to turn you on. So we kind of knew, like, it, this would have an effect. It worked. And then we put another section I had, woke up, fell out of bed, tried to comb across my head. Woke up, fell out of bed, tried to comb across my head. Found my way downstairs and drank a cup. And looking up, I noticed I was late. And then did a big sort of epic recording of it with a big full orchestra and everything, you know. And then did that crescendo thing in the middle of it with the orchestra, which was an idea I'd had, because I'd been, I'd been talking to people and reading about sort of avant-garde music, kind of atonal stuff, and crazy ideas. And I came up with this idea, I said to the orchestra, you should start, all of you, which they're all looking at me puzzled, we've got a real symphony orchestra in London who are used to playing, you know, Beethoven, and here's me, so this crazy guy out of a group, and I'm saying, what you've got to do is you, or everyone, start on the lowest note that your instrument could play and work your way up to the highest at your own pace. Just if you want to go... That's fine, or do, 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 do. you know, that was too puzzling for them. And they're all looking at me, and orchestras don't like that kind of thing. They like it written down, and they like to know exactly what they're supposed to do. So George Martin, the producer, th realized that. He kept the random aspect, but he said to the people, you should be about this note at this point in the song, and then you should have got to this note and this note. 
and he left the random thing. So that's why it sounds like a chaotic, chaotic sort of swirl, you know. Yeah, no, that, that, was, that was an idea based on the sort of avant-garde stuff that I was into at the time. That was, of course, Paul McCartney talking about A Day in the Life, the last song of Sgt Pepper's. Have a quick listen to take one of the demo recording where John Lennon doesn't count the band in with numbers, but with a line from Tchaikovsky's Nutcracker Suite. I love hearing the in-studio chatting too. In the life of... Dab the mic on the piano quite low, just keeping it like maracas, you know. You know those old pianos. last piano chord after the orchestra build we heard earlier was played by Mal Evans, John and Ringo. Just going to pop down a little side rabbit hole for one minute here on Mal Evans. Mal Evans was a roadie and professional assistant employed by the Beatles from 1963 until their breakup in 1970. Evans worked part-time as a bouncer at the Cavern Club where the Beatles played. The Beatles manager Brian Epstein later hired Evans as the group's assistant roadie in tandem with Neil Aspinall. At the age of 40, Evans was shot and killed by police at his home in LA when police officers mistook an air rifle he was holding for an actual rifle. So anyhow, to achieve the last epic monumental chord in A Day in the Life, the three guys sat at three pianos simultaneously striking an E major chord. This took nine takes because the guys had a hard time hitting the chord at exactly the same moment. The last take was dubbed the best and then overdubbed three times. Check it on out.
This next one is not a count in to cue the band in, but is a count within a song that I worship from possibly my favourite album of all time. From Abbey Road, The Beatles, You Never Give Me Your Money. Here's an amusing jazz wank fusion version of Paul McCartney and his band sound checking You Never Give Me Your Money with some nice, funny massage lyric swaps. Next one is also slightly off topic, but uses counting to build up a section within a song. Number eight is my favourite, where he magically and manically reaches the song's climax. Kiss off Violent Femmes. I take one, one, one because you left me, and two, two, two for my family, and three, three, three for my heartache, and four, four, four for my headaches, and five, five, five for my lonely, and six, six, six for my sorrow, and seven, seven, no, 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 tomorrow, and eight, eight, I forget what eight was for, but nine, nine, nine for lost God, ten, 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 ten. You can all just kiss off into the air Behind my back I can see them stare They'll hurt me bad but I won't mind They'll hurt me bad They do it all the time Yeah, yeah Yeah, they do it all the time Yeah, yeah Yeah, they do it all the time 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 The next one is awesome, and I really appreciate the fact that the singer asked for permission. James Brown, get up. Fellas, I'm ready to get up and do my thing. I 
I want to get into it, man, you know. Like a, like a sex machine, man. Moving, doing it, you know. Can I count it off? One, two, three, four. Get up, get on up. Get up, get on up. Stay on the scene. Get on up. Like a sex machine. Get on up. Get on up, get up, get on up, stay on the scene, get on up, like a sex machine, get on up, wait a minute, shake your arm, then use your palm, stay on the scene. This next one is another example of a super chilled count-in. Sounds like Duff McKagan doing the counting to me, I could be wrong. Here is Axel Rose talking about the song Patience and also about patience in general and violence in his life in the eye of the rock and roll hurricane. Apologies for the bad sound on some of these YouTube clips, but I am saving up for a time machine to travel back in time with better mics to fix two minutes of a free podcast. You can support me at gofundyourselfyoucomplainingmotherfunder.cock forward slash a rock and roll rabbit hole. Okay, the, the song... When I sang that song, it was the first time I'd ever sang it. Izzy basically wrote most of the words, except for the ending part. Um, and then Slash and Duff got in on um, rearranging and rewriting parts, the music parts of it, the guitar parts. Um, but even then, our one reason the song was written was about needing patience and having a lack of it. And, you know, Duff's written his version of patience, you know, it's kind of a comedy version, which may be out sometime. Um, Izzy has a new song that says, uh, let's see, where does that go? Um, Double talking jive, get the money, motherfucker, because I got no more patience. <laughs> um, you know, I can't stand to watch the video of it or anything. I'm proud of the video. It's just, when I hear it, it just makes me think about how I don't have any patience now. Same way for basically everybody in the band. It's like it depresses us because we go, man, we thought we were getting closer to finding some peace of mind and we're farther from it than we've ever been. Or at least that's the way it seems. When you say that you thought you'd be closer to getting some sort of patience or peace of mind, what in reality is your life somewhat like in, in a few seconds? Um, it's strange. I mean, it's like to everybody else we're viewed as what they see what Guns N' Roses means to them and that's how we're treated to these people um same time we've all been pretty much private in our lives except when we go out you know and get crazy which isn't every day um now it's few and far between because you don't have the mental ability or whatever or the patience to go out and deal with lots of people you don't know and you got to be so careful with what you say you can't say look get the fuck away from me to people who are just you're, they're fans of yours they like what you do and it's like they don't understand that you've had a bad day or something like that you know it's it's i can't really find any easy answers right now okay well, looking around the apartment, I see what once was a beautifully mirrored wall that is now destroyed. What brings out the violent side of Axl Rose? Frustration and not being able to handle a situation that you feel you should be able to take control of, um, which can be anything with dealing with our success in any way, dealing with 
you know, money, interviews, fans, record companies, um, radio stations, all of that, and not really knowing how to do it. I mean, a lot of times things happen that piss you off and you like to smash somebody with that, but that's gonna get you, that's gonna get you a lawsuit or something like that. So, you know, it's, it's just for pent up frustration, not knowing what to do and releasing it, you know, and it's like, it's not like, okay, yeah, now I've got money, so I just break things all the time. Da, da, da. I've always broke things. This is true. Um, it's gotten to the point where... I feel a lot like it's the character in Godfather Sonny who gets pissed off and he goes and does something, you know, and then eventually, you know, he has that used against him and he goes out and get and it's a setup and he gets shot, you know, and that fear also, you know, breeds frustration of like going, okay, I'm mad, I want to do something, I want to take action, I want to get even with this person that just screwed me over and you don't, and you know you can't. Um, because you, you know that there's going to be consequences that you're going to have to face up to out of whatever you do, you, and you're not, and you can't pinpoint all of them, you know, to make sure you can get away with whatever I, whatever action you decide to take. So instead, I'll just break something on my own, you know, and that depresses me too. But it's better than sitting in jail, I guess. This is true. Are you a patient person? Does it take a lot to piss you off? To a lot of people, no. To me, yeah. Because they may say something in a conversation that might set me off, but it might be something that, you know, 200 people over the last three years, and finally, you know, have been saying or doing, and what the act that they do is the one that sets me off. Lately, I've been running into people who decide in, in a crowd of people that they're going to, you know, get out verbally whatever they want to say to me you know and this and that and try and, and, and shoot us down you know and it's like and you know my my words to these people are like don't don't you be don't don't let me make you an example of a new way in other words if, that like you know don't be the stupid person who's going to get in the way and let me make an example of you that I'm not going to take any shit anymore and I'm tired of it Cause I'm missing you I'm still alright to smile Girl, I think about you every day now Was a time when I wasn't sure But you set my mind at ease 
There is no doubt you're in my heart now Said woman, take it slow It'll work itself out fine All we need is just a little patience This was the first single released by Oasis that Liam Gallagher had written. A simple song with a couple of chords in it, but it's an absolute cracker. Here's Liam and Noel Gallagher talking about the tune. One of our best tunes. Doesn't matter who wrote it. I love it, man. It's fucking <coughs> too cool. Can't fucking speak about it. Like, no, you don't say nothing fucking interesting enough. You just go, it's fucking great to get on it or fuck off and be a dick. <laughs> I wrote that as a one-off. I was in France. We were this massive fucking mansion doing our album. But I went out with a guitar one day, sat under the tree, had a bit of a biblical moment, and that popped up, and that was it. Didn't do it to present, no, I just fucking wrote it. It took three minutes, I was like, well, it took, and I think I wrote all the words, like, pretty much there and then. And that was that then, for the bit, I got writer's book. I've only just picked the ball up. Yeah. He, he wrote Little James and Songbird in the same year, and was just like, oh, God, fucking gotta go for a lie down here. It's all there. Fucking six minutes of music. I even have to push to put it into the set because he just won't have it. Do you think it drags on a It's two minutes and one second long. Do you think it drags on a bit? Like, what fucking crazy drugs are you on? Songbird Oasis. Talking to the songbird yesterday. Threw me to a past that far away. She's a little pilot in my mind. Singing songs of love to pass the time. Gonna write a song so she can see. Give her all the love she gives to me. Talk of better days that have yet to come. Never felt this love from anyone. She's not anyone. Another quick cluster of two songs from a band that I love. The first one I should have really included in episode two, great songs with girls' names in the title. I actually know three famous songs with this title, but have never met a girl with this name. It has another totally unnecessary count in as the band is already playing, but it 100% adds some excitement for the song to lift into the next section. I have included the live version from Under a Blood Red Sky, because it's great, but the counting is on the studio track too. You 2 Under a Blood Red Sky, which is live at Red Rocks, is one of my childhood friends. It's been with me forever. I love every note on it. Gloria by You 2 
Maria's chorus is sung in Latin and it also has a slapped bass solo, which I usually despise, but I love this one. So melodic and rhythmic. shit on Adam Clayton's bass playing for some reason, but they can all eat a bowl of wholemeal, low sugar fuck. The second choice from this band is a little bit nuts, as it translates to 1, 2, 3, 14. And the track also has a drumstick count in. All unnecessary, but great. This track won three Grammy Awards for Best Rock Song, Best Rock Performance by a Duo or Group with Vocal, and Best Short Form Music Video. It's certainly not my favourite U2 song, but it's a great count in. Vertigo. song has a reverse count in it so I'm going to include it just for some diversity. This track was this amazing artist's first single to chart in 1969 in the UK and went to number one when he re-released it in 1975. Space Oddity, David Bowie. Ground control to major tones. Sing countdown engines on Three, two, check ignition and may God's love be with you. This next one tickles my fancy as it's so unnecessary as the singer counts himself in with a 3-4, then plays two quick chords on the piano, so he's effectively counting himself in. Unnecessary, but great. 
This song was written in an hour and recorded on the same day, January 27, 1970. This single became the first solo single by an ex-Beatle to sell a million copies. George Harrison plays guitar on it, and he also conducted the drunken gang backing vocals supplied by strangers recruited from a local bar. Instant Karma, John Lennon. Karma's gonna get you Gonna knock you right in the head You better get yourself together Pretty soon you're gonna be dead Here's one more quick John Lennon song, which he wrote in 1976 and recorded in 1980 for his Double Fantasy album, but decided not to put it on the record as he was going to give it to Ringo for his next album. This one has a nice little count in, which you'll hear here. Then I'm going to play the demo just because I can. John Lennon, Nobody Told Me. Head over to the website www.arockandrollrabbithole.com and click on the tab Golden Magic to hear the full demo recording of Nobody Told Me. Hey everybody, we are back. My next guest comes to us from Melbourne, Australia. They coached me on how to say it and I still got it wrong. They're here tonight with the title track from their brand new album, Roll On. Please welcome The Living End. The walls be standing strong They gather round to see what the 
next one is track one from one of my favourite Aussie albums from the past 15 years. This song starts with a casual four count and I absolutely love the opening line. Sure was a hell of a mistake I made, but I sure am glad that I made it. Bernard Fanning, Thrill is Gone. I made, but I sure am glad that I made it. No way for a grown man to behave more than act of a teen opportunity. It's not so much that the thrill is gone It's just cleaner, sweeter, brighter The thrill has come along This next one falls under the just-invented and make-believe category of melodically sung countings and comes from one of my favourite lyric writers and voices ever. Justin Curry. Kiss this thing goodbye, Delamitri. One, two, three. also has a melodically sung count-in and was originally recorded acoustically. However, the producer persuaded them to re-record it with electronic instruments in a harder rock style. 
The singer has since said that he believed the song would have made number one on the US charts if it had have been released in its original form. Settle down, champ. It did climb to number three, Born to Be My Baby by Bon Jovi. That's the last of the count-ins before I get to my favourite, but I want to include a funny, crazy or interesting story in each episode about one of the songs or artists, and today's story is about two of the artists from this episode, Oasis and U2. Here's Noel Gallagher telling a great story about a night out with The Edge in Australia on a recent tour with the High Flying Birds and U2. So we're in Australia with U2. And I've never heard of this band Confidence Man, and uh, one of... one of them said, have you ever heard of this band Confidence, man? And I was like, no. And um, they showed me some stuff on YouTube. So we're out one night after one of the gigs and we bump into them. Oh, uh, right. Confidence, man. And it turns out it's a brother and sister combo. And the, the brother is the brains, the, the, the kind of the boffin. The sister's the singer. And uh, we spend the night out with them. And they're great, lovely kids. Uh, so the next night... Uh, they say, do you want to come round to ours and we'll cook you dinner and blah, blah, blah. So me and the Edge went round, right? Right. They text us their studio and blah, 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 and they're playing us the tunes and uh, tequila is taken and it gets a bit rowdy and there's dancing. And all of a sudden, the neighbours start banging on the on the wall, right? So they kind of ignore them. So the, the, the neighbour comes round in his pyjamas, right? And he's banging on... He's, he's in a fury. So... They sent the edge out to see this guy, right? It turns out this guy is a massive U2 fan, right? And Edge is in the front garden trying to, oh, come on, these kids, you know, they're musicians and artists and all that. And the guy's going, yeah, go out, you know, go out and see the guy. So I go out and it turns out he's a massive Oasis fan. <laughs> so we're both saying to the guy, mate, you don't, want to call, you don't really want to call the police, do you? And he's going... Are you in Oasis? And I was like, well, I'm not anymore, but I was. And he's like, is this the edge? And I was like, yes. He's going, what are you doing here? And we're like, well, these kids are our friends, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, he goes off in his pyjamas. We end up doing pictures in the street at about two o'clock in the morning. And uh, these kids text us the next day and they're like, he's hated us for years. And he said, now we're like the kings of the street. You know, they've had no trouble since. 
Let's take a short break and quickly recap the magic before I get to my favourite counting. Okay, this one's my choice for this week. Another melodically sung counting. The famous piano player actually plays guitar on this track live. The mighty internet said that Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr are in the film clip, but I couldn't see them in there. So much commitment and passion in this counting. Matter of trust, Billy Joel. One, two, one, two, three, four. so much for listening and thanks to Rob Dean at Look Eye, Always Look Eye Studios for the podcast music and Paddy Cummings at Fingerprint Audio for web and tech help and Simon Russell at Deep Switch Studios for the additional tech help and also Matt, the Wombat Murderer O'Donnell for proof listening and general podcast format chattery. And as mentioned at the start, if you do want to tell me what I did wrong, could do better or got wrong in this free podcast that took me a few full days to put together, you can send me an email at I will never ever check this email address at gofuckyourself.cockgoblin.poop forward slash one, two, three, four, poop. But seriously, if you do have any suggestions, you can hit me at suggestions at arockandrollrabbithole.com or Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, a rock and roll rabbit hole podcast. I'd love to hear from you and check out some new music, some old music, some great YouTube interviews, anything rocking and entertaining. I love it all. 
And if I like it, I'll play it and give you a shout out on a future episode. And if you dig what I'm doing, feel free to tell a friend or two and subscribe and rate the podcast on the Apple Podcast app on your phone and Spotify. You can also visit the website www.arockandrollrabbithole.com for Spotify playlist of each episode, past episodes, and some other golden magic. Thanks again, guys. To end each podcast, I'm going to add, when I can, an example of the topic that I enjoy from a lesser-known band who have had less than 10,000 hits on Spotify or YouTube. This segment is called Sub 10,000, and episode three features a song by 14-time Grammy Award-watching band Body Jar with Dry Gin, with a great semi-sung count-in from one of my favourite Aussie drummers, Sir Ross William Hetherington. Body Jar have recently been summoned by the alcohol gods, Grog Lord, and released a limited edition gin. Here's the hilarious online ad featuring Cam the singer. Hi, I'm Cameron Baines. I'm a musician. I strive for perfection. In music, that's only a hope. But with Body Jar Gin, it's a certainty. As reliable as nature itself. Whose fucking idea was this? I know we can't hear at the moment. This is ridiculous. Ah, uh, Cam, your mic's still on. Shit. <laughs> what a wanker. Thanks heaps for listening. See ya. Body jar, dry gin.
just a uh, couple of soft ones, a couple of hard ones. Hey! Just, uh,